This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to the Habitat Podcast, where we are becoming better habitat managers. Thanks for listening this week. As always, I'm your host, Jared Van Hees. Happy to be here. Excited to record another show. We already have one recorded to come out soon, but I kind of interrupted to throw this one in there. It is early September. People are dealing with a new baiting ban here in Michigan and probably wondering if there's another option to, you know, help with their hunting this fall. So what I did was call my buddy Nick, and we did a last-minute food plot. Uh, No pun intended, just last-minute because we started with it today, and last-minute food plots because it's kind of late in the season. So here's a... About a half hour's worth of nice tips from Nick at Killer Food Plots. Uh, We dive into a couple different ways of planting, a couple seed types to to look at and to plant, and uh, just trying to help everybody out and see, uh, you know, if you don't have one in yet, it's not too late. You can still get something going uh, for your your 2018 fall, and better yet, have a plan for 2019. So if you're new to the podcast, I recommend you go check out habitatpodcast.com. You can see all of our episodes there, including a no-till method that may also be implemented this late in the season for a food plot. Also, I'd like to thank our sponsors, Packer Max Cultipackers and Outdoor Devotion for their support in the podcast. Glad to have them on board. And with that said, let's get right into talking with Nick. Again, last-minute food plots. Welcome back, Mr. Percy. Are you there? I am. How's it going, Jared? 
Good, man. Good. Glad to have you back. It's been a while. Yeah, it has. I'm glad, good to be back. We've been, uh, we've been road warriors, running, 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 running. Yeah, how's your summer going? You have some jobs this summer, or what you been up to? Oh, yeah, we did. Uh, we pretty much, I was trying to remember the other day when we started plots, but I want to say it was the last week of, um, the last week of May in Michigan, and prior to that, we were out of state doing some stuff. Um, and we've been going pretty much nonstop almost every single weekend. I think I quit, uh, I think I took a couple weekends off that first weekend in July. I don't know if you remember that. It was like scorching, scorching hot. You were sweating, standing still in the shade. So <laughs> yeah. we took that weekend off and had a little family time floating in the tubes on the lake and went to the cabin down in Florida, down the Stephen River. And then um, the last weekend of July, I always set aside for my family reunion at the same place, you know, the cabin is a place I grew up since I was, uh, since I can remember, we've gone there every single summer and and uh, spent a lot of quality time. My grandfather's 80, 87 years old. He lives there full time, so it's always good to see Grandpa and be able to uh, see some of our extended family and have good good memory time. So, but other than that, man, I'm telling you, I've been in a truck, on a tractor, in the woods, between consultations, uh, prepping for and or planning food plots, going back to replant for fall what we uh got started in the spring and uh and or prepping some ground for next year that's in pretty poor condition with some organic hydration and getting some retain in the ground so last sunday a couple days just a few days ago here was i think the last food plot for 2018 to install but you never know some people still might call me we were uh, just in kentucky over the holiday weekend and oh, wow. put in 10 acres down there. So 10 acres? That yeah, was crazy. It was crazy. How'd that job yeah. go? I mean, that's quite a that's quite a, a haul. And 10 acres, yeah, that's a lot it was. of food. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of food. And we got there and, you know, I had, the property owner had actually uh, contacted us and, and set it up. And he <clears throat> closed on the property that morning or that at noon that day and I arrived a little bit later in the you know like early evening time frame shortly after him closing on the property uh, he said that there was a little bit of grass growing or grass or weeds or whatever growing in in the plot areas and that it shouldn't be too big of a deal so I rented a tractor and a brush hog to complement of course the Kubota with all of our gear and when I got there, the weeds were like five foot tall. <laughs> like, oh, oh no! And he's like, "Well, we have no time to spray. We have no time to do whatever." So well, yeah, he just closed said, on yeah, it. Yeah, well, wow. yeah, he just closed on it. We haven't had any time to get in here and really do anything. But he said it has to get done because, of course, that Saturday, that very next day, was the bow opener in Kentucky. So you know, doing a little velvet buck hunting. So. Um, he was obviously not planning on bow hunting. He's a, more of a gun hunter, but so we went to town, uh, starting to mow and I put him to work. I said, well, I'm going to need you, man. It's me, me and me. So got a, all hands on deck and nobody's off limits. So, well, that's pretty crazy. You can put in like 10 acres over. How long were you down there for? Basically started the work, uh, Saturday morning. 
Um, probably mid-morning we started because, like I said, we got there fairly late. Had to pick up the mower and the tractor, get all that squared away um, Saturday morning, which was, oh, by the way, the closest tractor I could rent was an hour and a half away, you know, oh, yeah. Percy time. That's just the way it works with the Percy, so <laughs> nothing's easy. And uh, so three hours round trip, hour and a half there, hour and a half back. We got started, I think, about 1130 and I believe we wrapped up on Monday um, after going to drop the tractor off and getting back to the property to load, the, you know, our, load our tractor and our equipment back on the trailer. I believe we pulled out of Kentucky about 9 p.m. Drove yeah. home all night long and went back. Went uh, oh, then we had some issues with the truck on the way back because, you know, we don't go anywhere without some kind of issue with something. So, <laughs> you know, not the glamorous life doing the food potting thing, man. You run hard, you run your equipment hard, and stuff, you know, gives it up once in a while. So we blew out the tur- the boot from the turbo straight pipe, so I had to fix that. And then we got all that fixed. And then uh, about an hour and a half, probably down by South Haven, Michigan, all of a sudden, check gauges goes on, and the alternator decided to give it up. So spent the Tuesday when I should have been at work getting my truck fixed because the alternator was bad. So, Oh, man, you're almost home, too. I was. I'm like, but, you know, the cool thing was, if you think about it, two things. If you lose an alternator, and I think about all the times I shut my truck off to sleep in a Walmart parking lot or in a truck truck. Uh, gas station parking lot on my way home. I was taking, you know, 20 minute, half hour power naps, hour power naps just to get home, right? Just to make sure I was being safe on the road. And, and, uh, <clears throat> thinking any, any one of those times the alternator could have gone bad and I could have been stranded somewhere. But, yeah, and I was true. blessed. I got all the way back to South Haven. It went out. I was wide awake. We were making our way home, um, you know, getting back into town and, and, you know, the, the nice part is that with a diesel, when you lose your alternator, it doesn't take spark to keep it running like it does with a gas motor. So as long as I shut my truck off, now I didn't have much for headlights. They were a little dim, and the radio and the air conditioning was kind of, you know, not, not working any longer. I didn't put the windows down, but it was all good. So, Man, this, show, I mean, this just goes to show you run it hard, dude. Nice work. I'm sure that yeah. your customer in Kentucky is pretty happy that you uh, – you know, busted your butt all that weekend. But yeah, he was pretty. He was pretty amazed at what it takes to get it done. He has said he had a new appreciation for how much work goes into actually putting those plots in. So, now he's a he's a super guy. I know he's gonna be really excited when he gets back. He he probably will return to the property towards the end of October to get prepped for the gun opener in early November. Okay. So he lives in Florida and. Travels, you know, we'll be flying up and renting a vehicle and driving to his property. So, cool. beautiful piece of property. It has so much potential. So, we're excited to be helping him. And, you know, I'm I'm already looking forward to spring after he and I went around and checked out other aspects of the property and stuff. It's a pretty neat place. Just tons of, like, ponds and uh, pretty good-sized lakes within the 200, I think it's 226 acres or so. It's just a gorgeous piece of ground, so I'm pretty excited for him as well. Awesome, man. Well, appreciate the uh, the update there on what you've been up to. Yeah. I um I want to cover something today that kind of actually hits that nail right on the head. Uh, last minute food plots, 
or uh, it's, it's kind of the direction I want to cover today. Now, we're kind of just loosey-goosey in this. Um, it's catching up. You know, you and I haven't chatted in a while, so we're just kind of catching up. But um, yeah. nothing real nothing real structured. I just want to kind of know and what the listeners who maybe haven't put in a plot yet or are wondering, can I do something, um, what, what we can cover today. So I figured first, uh, you know, in Michigan – we have the CWD rules come into effect. The new rules were all made, and there's an immediate baiting ban on 16 counties in the state. I'm sure you're aware. Um, oh, so yeah. Yeah. a lot of guys hunt um, and, and they bait, and it's an effective method and it's legal, but now they can't. So a food plot, in my opinion, would be the next best step or something that they could do yet this season. Um, what do you think about that? Are we too late, you know, a third of the way into September here to, to get something done? And and if so or if not, where would you start? Well, uh, <clears throat> I guess I would say first thing is we're in luck, um, myself included. I do not have a food plot on my own property yet because, you know, the plumber always has leaky plumbing. <laughs> um, my goal is to get up to my property, um, if not this weekend, first part of next week, and I am going to be sowing deep woods, our killer food pod deep woods, and our lethal winter oats. Both of them produce very quick. Um, they do not need a ton of sunlight. They do not need perfect ideal soil conditions and, and whatnot. And, you know, as close to broadcasting it out, um, as little as broadcasting it out and walking away, uh, to putting in a little bit more effort to maybe rough up the ground. If you can spray and kill off the vegetation that you have, uh, go ahead and spray it. Once it's dry, you can broadcast the lethal winter oats or the deep woods right over that <clears throat> sprayed vegetation. You don't have to wait five to ten days for it to die. Because go ahead and seed it and get your fertilizer. Make sure you use some Groganix fusion fertilizer. That will really aid in making the nutrients, micronutrients, some of the things beyond the NPK, your nitrogen and phosphorus potash, available to those newly germinating uh, seedlings, which are going to germinate fairly quickly, somewhere between uh, 48 hours to 10 days, you're going you're gonna to have, you know, good growth starting in your food plot uh, just from dew in the morning. And we're getting a lot of that dew because obviously there's a pretty significant temperature change from daytime, uh, the warm daytime temperatures to the much cooler evening temperatures. So that's really helping to provide some daily moisture to the to the new seedlings. Okay. Yeah, I think um, that's important to note because there's not a lot of rain in my forecast right now, but I do know that my shoes are wet in the morning from walking through my grass uh, as soon as I leave for yeah. work. So that's plenty Absolutely. of moisture right there. And, and would that be enough to get some germination going? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and, again, you know, depending on if somebody wanted to take the steps to run a tiller or a disc through the ground um, or even a harrow drag to rough up the ground prior to seeding, seed it and then harrow drag, you know, that ground. Or if they, you know, have the equipment but maybe just have been busy, you know, in other aspects of their life and they haven't had a chance to get into, uh, you know, on their tractor and get into their woods, there's still time to do that with both of those products. Um, lethal winter oats is the most tolerant of all extreme conditions. So there can even be, I mean, Michigan and other states have seen so much water and this new tropical storm 
this front coming through is dumping water and it's really people are pretty saturated and in the areas that have been getting moisture they just continue to get moisture and that tropical storm is certainly adding inches to their uh, annual rainfall so with that being the case there's a lot of places that are not 100 percent dried out they might have some some dry and some uh standing water areas lethal winter oats is a perfect option to go ahead and just broadcast it out and let it be and it will germinate and it will take off and produce uh you know a, a very available uh sustainable food source for the deer okay now nick hold up real quick before let's let's dive into how somebody could maybe sow an oat plot uh right now say you're going out to your your property um, you have uh, an area you want to put a food plot. It's the 12th of September right now today. Let's break it down and um, and go through real quick how one could do this. Okay. All right. So step if if again if you have the time and you have the wherewithal um, with tools of the trade, whether it's disc or or rototiller. Yeah, go ahead and Mower. cover that route because we, we covered yeah. a no-till so route in another yeah. podcast that would work as well. But let's, let's cover gotcha. this route. Okay. Yeah, so if you if you had all that to do, what I would recommend is I would – because you're not going to have a whole lot of time to spray to kill vegetation if you're trying to – you want to get the seed in the ground as soon as possible, get it germinated, and take advantage of this warm weather we have right now and this moisture. So my first, my first uh, recommendation would be um, – if you don't already, if you haven't done a soil test and you don't know what's going on in your soil, then you're going to treat it as though it's sour and the, the pH is low. Um, there's recommendations right in the back of each one of our products. Uh, Carnage Brassica is another one you could put in the ground right now. Um, can't forget Carnage. That's a rock solid. So Carnage, Deepwood, or Lisa Winter Oats. What I would recommend is I would take Groganics Fusion Fertilizer. I would take about 350 pounds of lime to the acre, broadcast that out. If, depending on where you're at or if you kind of know what pH uh, your soil soils in your area are, um, as far as where they are, in, like, for instance, if you're up in Clare, on average you're about 5.1 pH in Clare, Michigan. Um, it's very sandy soil. So if I was going to treat a spot up there that I wanted to plant this, this coming weekend or this coming week, I would broadcast about 350 pounds or just say 400 pounds it's easy that'd be 10 40 pound bags of pelletized lime i would then take uh organic per acre, fertilizer per acre yep okay. per acre i would then take uh 300 pounds of organic fusion fertilizer and if you were in the clear area you could go to jay sporting goods or one of the dealers up there and pick that up um, I would broadcast that out, or if you don't have access to Grogan's Fusion Fertilizer, you could use like a triple 19. I would do it at the same rate, about 300 pounds to the acre, broadcast that, and then I would disc or till it into the ground. Um, if you have existing vegetation, go in there and mow that vegetation down, work that into the soil with your Grogan's and your and or your triple 19 along with your pellet line. <clears throat> Okay, then I so, would broadcast, so then I now, would broadcast. We're, so where we're at now, where we came in, if you have vegetation, mow it down first, broadcast lime and fertilizer on top. Is that where we're at so far? 
Yes, that's where we're at. Sorry. Before you do anything. No, no, you're good. I started over. No, you're good. You're <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah. I just want to make right. sure I'm I'm grasping this. So, okay. Yep. And then, so now so, we have a bunch of weeds and stuff cut down short, our fertilizer and lime on top of the soil, and now what? And I would broadcast Carnage Brassica's Deep Woods or Lethal Winter Oats into the plot. Um, if you have a, <clears throat> if you've roughed up that ground and worked it up, basically you can broadcast that seed and use a call packer to roll over it. If you do not have that capacity, you could take your disc and turn it straight. Your disc, um, you know, take it off the angle if you have the option to do that, or I would like, or you could even lightly run it back across the top. Or you could do nothing at all and just leave it and let let the moisture just germinate and the stuff take off. Okay. My my perfect my my perfect scenario at this point would be to take a copper packer and roll the existing food plot once I broadcast that over the top. Now keep in mind when you roll a till, you introduce a lot more oxygen to the soil. You you fluff the soil up and it tends to. Uh, the seeds tend to sink a little bit deeper. So if you have that scenario going on where you're really turning the soil and you have a fluffy seed bed, you may need to drag it first and or roll it, call to pack it or roll it before you seed and then broadcast the seed and then roll it again. So nothing different than we'd do any other time of the year. If we had more time, <clears throat> um, as far as the steps so that you don't lose the seed, but if in the event that you uh, are disking or if you even have a drag just to work up the ground, broadcast the seed into it, then you can just roll that because you're not very deep into the soil. You're not cutting, you know, you're not cutting two, three, four, five, six inches deep. You're probably just cutting up the surface and breaking up the soil. And that should be fine for any one of those three products. Okay, so this seems like a pretty standard uh, or conventional method of planting if you will, you're just kind of doing it all at once, right? You're you're throwing out yeah, your lime and your fur and you're, yeah. you're rototilling and you're, yeah. you're packing your seeding, you're packing all at, all at one time. Or maybe before you would have sprayed, came back 10 days later, sprayed again, came back, tilled, planted, packed, etc. Now you're just kind of doing it all as, as fast as you can because we're late in the game, right? Yeah, you're, the, thing, the steps you're skipping is you're doing, you're skipping two things. You're skipping a soil test and you're skipping spraying and killing off vegetation. Otherwise, if you have the tools and you have a little bit of time now um, and you can do the rest of the steps, again, you reap what you sow. So the more you do, the better the results, right? If you don't have the, the equipment, you don't have uh, the ability to get your equipment to the job, to the spot where you want to go, or maybe it's, a, maybe it's a piece of ground that you lease and you're not allowed to work the ground, but you can broadcast some and put in some food plot over existing vegetation, that's another thing, right? You can broadcast it out over existing vegetation and go in there with a weed whacker or a sickle and cut down the standing vegetation and let it lay on top of the seed. And killer food plots will definitely take off if you do that. I saw your your uh, um, easy food plot where you just sprayed to kill it and broadcast stuff into it and how well it did. Uh, same thing can work by cutting the actual vegetation and allowing it to lay down on top of the seed. So. Okay, yeah, no, that was um, those were the carnage brassicas I planted. Um, I've been using your stuff for a while, and I I like it personally. But that one, I would just, I mean, you could do that right now too. Uh, we can dive into that quick. What you just mentioned was like a, what I would call 
a throw and mow. So you broadcast your seed into existing vegetation, like you said, and then weed whip it or mow it down over the seed. So you're covering it up with all that vegetation, essentially planting it for you. And then what I did was just I sprayed it, came back after it was dead, and broadcasted it in. But that took more time. I had to wait for the vegetation to die, um, etc. wait for a good rain. So maybe your option to throw and mow would be better for a last-minute food plot. I agree. I mean, for right now, that's what what I would recommend. I mean, you can go back and address grass and weeds again in the spring and try to get ahead of that and get your food plot prepped. Yeah. But there's a lot of there's a lot of folks that I can only imagine with this baiting ban that they're not sure what to do. And right. you know, they've historically had their favorite product or their you know their beets or apples or whatever that they'd like to use. So they're probably you know a little bit overwhelmed with you know where, how do you do this food plot stuff and you know, one thing that I'm hoping to do is continue to do some educational pieces and really set the stage for the average or, or uneducated, previously uneducated uh, hunter who's looking to branch out into doing food plots, and we will certainly try to set the stage for their success right out of the gate. Well, sir, you have come to the right place because that's all we're trying to do here. So we're just trying to, um, you know, become better habitat managers as our slogan. But, like, uh, just, just learn more about this stuff. And there's a lot of people out there who have probably never planned a food plot or wanting to know how. And, you know, they're starting to think about deer season now when maybe, you know, some of us were thinking about it in May and some people don't start thinking about it until now. So it's, it's kind of why I want to do this podcast because I'm sure there's a lot of people wondering, especially with that baiting ban, that's really... Yeah. It's really screwing a lot of people over here. Um, so now that we kind of have the method covered, uh, I have one question about, you said you could throw it into existing vegetation. If I did that without mowing or spraying and just I had like an open field area and broadcast some sort of seed into it, would that be a waste of time? No, you would actually produce some food in that. Um, this time of the year, it, if you had weeds, you'd have a better option with weeds because weeds are at the end of their life cycle and they're going to be dying and wilting and basically falling down um, over the next 30 days. They're going to start phasing out. Um, if you had more of a grass situation, it's a, you know, grass, this is the best time of the year for grass to grow. It's got cooler nights and, and you know, milder warm days, but milder temperatures, so grass tends to thrive this time of the year. So without really spraying or doing something with that, that'd be a little bit tougher. But it okay. still can it still can survive and you can still get some viable food to grow in those types of situations with those three varieties. The Carnage Brassicas are all very, very tiny. They're about the size of a, a number two pencil point of a number two pencil lead. So they're very small and they do get down into to make good uh, contact with the ground. And they will germinate quick. And as you know um, from our previous discussions, the Carnage Brassicas, you know, they it says a half an acre on the bag, and you definitely want to plant it on a half an acre and nothing less because they'll do the UFC throwdown chokehold on themselves. Um, I actually had a customer send me a picture. Yeah. Oh, they do big time, and and they can get a little root bound in the ground. So if you take a half acre bag of Carnage Brassicas up against um, some, you know, marginal growing grass or weeds, 
they hold a pretty good chance of uh, holding their own and producing some food that'll you know get your whitetail's nose down in that vegetation and take his eyes or her her his eyes off of you drawing your bow or uh, lifting up your crossbow to um, make that shot. So I, you know, there's definitely there's definitely some ways you can do it. Obviously, the less you do, the less total tonnage per acre you're going to have. The more you do, the the greater the potential to produce uh, a more sustainable long-term food source, right? So. No, I like that. Um, so I guess a couple options there, and and I want to get into yet a, a third option that we haven't touched on. What if you're in the woods? You already got a stand. It's it's your go-to stand, and you normally have you know your your area where the deer come through, and and it's fully shaded, and it's covered in leaves. You don't have any equipment but a rake or something like that, like hand tools. What would you recommend someone do there? Um, make a smart remark. I'm going to say hunt on the right days and the right hours. Um, <laughs> it's tough, man. When you have <clears throat> when you have a spot that's that shaded, our, our lethal winter oats will grow in shaded conditions with just filtered light. Uh, if you have leaves on the ground now, you'll have to remove the leaves. I would still recommend um, putting down a little bit of fertilizer and some lime if you can. If you don't have that, then the lethal winter oats would, would be the number one choice. Uh, remove remove the leaves, take that rake and rough up the ground, broadcast the lethal winter oats into it, kind of rake them in a little bit. If you have something to roll over them and kind of tamp them down, all the better. It'll keep the turkeys and the, and the birds from stealing your seed. Um, but that would be your best option in that scenario. Again, I told you those lethal winter oats are very, very um, easy to germinate. They take off. They produce a lot of tonnage, and they continue to grow well into the winter. They don't frost kill like most winter oats do. So um, that could be a nice sustainable food plot for someone. We had a really great picture from a guy that did something like that, and uh, he get he would get about about an hour of um, any kind of real daylight, if you will, and he had some pretty significant moisture because a lot of the ground drained into this one particular spot. But I could not believe well this winter at one of the show hunting shows or hunting expos, he showed us the picture, and I mean literally there was standing water and. The oats were growing, and there were some higher spots where there wasn't, and the oats were growing. And and uh, he had actually taken a picture of a young buck in there eating, in the oats, standing in the water and eating the oats. So it can be, it can really produce a, a good stand in a lot of different extreme conditions. So. Wow, that's perfect. Um, it kind of you know gives somebody a a plan if they don't have a a field or a wide open area to to deal with, they might be able to try something like that. Um, yeah, and a trail or any of those kind of things, like a two-track area or something that just has, you know, again, some filtered-type lighting, and that's a great option. Yeah, and, and I want to stress that if you can do more, you know, if you can call to pack it or if you can do the fertilizer, if you can disc it up a little bit instead of just raking it, the more you can do, I think the better off you'll be. So I don't want to say just go out there and throw oats and rake around, but, like, it might be worth trying over nothing as well if, if you can get in there and, and at least do something because you'll learn that way and you'll learn what works for you in your spot. So 
That's what I yeah, and we, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we sell our lethal winter oats in 50-pound half-acre bags, or we sell it in uh, one-tenth of an acre. So we sell a um, a 10-pound bag. So that's a great snack plot, chill plot, pipe size plot in the woods, like you mentioned, or on a trail or even in a small open area. Um, and it produces a lot of forage in, in a small area. So anything that can draw those deer in to stop, put their head down, be distracted, um, you know, anything that stops those girls that, you know, allows that, that buck to get caught up to the does and, and gives you that little bit of an advantage. Um, and then as you learn and grow, as you mentioned, you know, and you can talk to more people or you can reach out to killer food plots. We can help with installs and, and get a better plan for 2019, but it certainly gives some options to quickly do some things and, and get some benefit from it here in 2018. Awesome. That's great. Um, the only other thing I wanted to cover on my end was what are these types of seeds that are that are doing so well being planted in September? I mean, you mentioned oats, and then I know your deep woods blend has winter wheat and uh, cereal rye, rye grain. Um, what what types of seeds are these, and why do these do better right now? Um, I know Nebraska, as you said, do good too, but like, why why do people plant these or top dress their plots with these versus others? Well, you know, there are there are some different options um, with a little more time. Your peas, your beans, um, some of your some of your other primaries, but brassicas. We are we are we are able to plant brassicas this late because we from what I can see the long term plan is we're going to have another 45 at least 45 days of fairly mild warm temperatures without hitting a frost and the key is that you don't want it once you hit the frost or we, once we frost it it can stunt or it can kill young plants. So we want to get the seed in the ground as soon as possible, take advantage of this warm, warmer, uh, you know, late summer, early fall we're going to have to be able to benefit. So that is opening up our options. As far as the seed that is in the, uh, the lethal winter oats are a very t- winter tolerant, cold tolerant uh, oat. They do not winter kill. Um, like most winter oats, it's kind of a, it's kind of a fallacy. They call them winter oats, but they usually brown up and die at the first sign of frost or after a, a you know, a couple good hard frosts. Ours are much more winter tolerant, cold tolerant, and they do not frost kill, but they do not like extreme heat. So planting them this late works well based on the species variety that they are. Um, and the deep woods, the deep woods, as you mentioned, is our KFT winter wheat, our winter rye, and those are cereal grains. They're not rye grass. They're actual high-quality cereal grains, and that is very important for the digestive system in a whitetail. It mimics the natural browse that are not available in the fall and late winter, and that helps to stimulate and continue to uh, stimulate their digestive function, and that's very, very important for the little bit of food that they are intaking, that they're able to break it down and utilize as much as possible. Um, in addition, there are two brassicas. There are K- our KFP radish and our KFP rape. And those two species produce extremely quick. They grow very fast. They come out of the ground. I think you've seen them come out of the ground within 24 hours um, with you know, humid with humidity. 
in the past, Germany. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, and right now, literally, we have that type of a humidity uh, condition at that at the ground level with the dew in the morning we've been reaching this week. We're pushing close to 80 degrees, and, you know, we've got reasonable nighttime temperatures, which is allowing um, to keep our our seedlings and our ground temperatures warm with that, with, but, but there's a significant enough temperature change we're producing good, a uh, good amount of uh, moisture in the dew. So those are great, uh, fast growers. They can, between 30 to 45 days, they go from seed to full maturity. Okay. So those are fast growers. They produce quickly. And then the other seed species is our KS, our new KSB crimson white clover. And historically, crimson clover gets a kind of almost like a red caterpillar-looking flower in the spring. We cross that with a white clover to produce 20 to 25 percent more tonnage per acre, so our customers getting better output. And and the um, the quality of the forage is is even greater in the digestibility. It has more of a white properties than a historically um, a red. And crimson's pretty digestible anyway, and it's an, it's an annual. So those produce, deep woods will produce from full sun down to about two to two and a half hours of sun. So it's a pretty, um, pretty flexible seed blend as far as where you can plant it. It also does not need perfect soil conditions. So from about 5.6, 5 5.7 5 on up without any soil correction, just fertilizer, it will grow and, and produce. If you are, for instance, I referenced Claire earlier, 5.1 pH, um, with the, you know, four or five hundred pounds of pellet lime to the acre and some organic fusion fertilizer, you can be successful even at, you know, 5.0 to 5.1 as a starting point, for instance. But you need to get that pellet lime in the ground and we need moisture to trigger it so that you can start that release. But if you use Groganics, again, the immediate available nutrients, they're not locked up in poor pH and poor soil, that makes certain things available to that plant, and we have greater success in growing versus just a, a synthetic fertilizer. Um, so that can, if people can get their hands on the Groganics, that can certainly help catapult their food plots up and out of the ground sooner and help them start growing. So. Awesome. Well, great explanation on that. Uh, I learned a couple things there I didn't know as well, and I've been planting those seeds for a while. Um, that sounds great, Nick. I really appreciate the, the direction there. Now, if anybody wants to, you know, get a hold of you, if they don't have time to get to their property and and they want you to maybe come out, can you still do that this year? Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll make time for it. You know, we, we, uh, we're very customer focused and you know if somebody doesn't have time to do it but they they want to get it done get a hold of us as soon as possible you can reach out to us uh on our website there's a contact us page there uh otherwise feel free to reach out through us to us through facebook messenger or they can reach me um at nick at killerfoodplots.com or go to our website killerfoodplots.com all right and your seed is now in the family farm and home uh, retail outlets, right? Yeah, yeah. In addition to several of our other great dealers, um, family farm and home is a new dealer for killer food plots, which is great because, you know, everybody 
um, throughout Michigan, you know, within their city or just beyond the city limits has a family farm and home. Uh, great people, super supportive. They're carrying the deep woods, the lethal winter oats, the carnage brassicas, um, as well as our, uh, our new white rage. And then they are also carrying the suffuse, uh, um, spray attractants as well. So yeah, stop in there, check it out. We're good people. They can help you get you what you need and, um, and they should be, they should have product on the shelf, I would think. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on. I know it's uh, late at night, and you're probably cashed after another long, hard day at work, but I appreciate you making time for the podcast, and uh, hopefully we can help a few listeners out with some some last-minute food plot tips here. So thanks again, buddy. Absolutely. Yeah, you bet, man. I'm happy to do it. And You know me. I'm always focused on helping any way I can and helping anybody I can. So always good to talk to you, Jared. It's been good to catch up, and uh, I look forward to – to seeing some results uh, from your food plots and hearing from, you know, many of our customers who are also listeners of your podcast to hear how their hunting season's going and how their food plots are doing. So, All right. Well, I can definitely keep in touch, and I'll hopefully send you a big buck laying in some uh, KFB clover here real soon. Sounds great, man. I appreciate it. Thanks. I just want to thank Nick one more time for coming on. We kind of scheduled this last minute. We thought there would be a, a good a good time here to, to get this last-minute food plot episode going just because, you know, it's late in the season and people are probably wondering what they can do. So I hope this helps, guys. You know, we're really just trying to become better habitat managers, trying to help everybody out. I love doing this. Um, if there's any feedback from you guys, please let me know. Love to hear more from you. I get some texts and some emails and Facebook messages from guys saying, you know, we're, we're liking what you're doing. So that's encouraging. Thank you very much. And, uh, you know, we're just going to keep rolling. Just keep going, keep learning. That's all we can do here. So for anybody who wants, you can check out the rest of the episodes at HabitatPodcast.com. We're also on iTunes on your podcast app on your iPhone, uh, Stitcher, Podbean. I uh, should be on iHeartRadio now. Um, a few others, and we're, we're just trying to you know get the word out. So if you don't mind, go online, leave a review. If you let me know you leave a review, I'll hook you up with a detail. Uh, pretty easy there. And I just want to thank you guys again for listening. Love you guys, and uh, keep on listening, and, and we really do appreciate it. And keep on trying to become better habitat managers with us. Enjoy your woods, and uh, good luck this fall. We'll be back again soon.